This conference will now be recorded. Hello, hello, everybody. My name is Rick Napier, the CEO at 321BizDev LLC, located somewhere between Sacramento and San Francisco. Sometimes I'm in different places, and that's the reason why I say that. 321BizDev is the first digital networking session that I have been able to find, find online. We're also a sales training and business consulting firm. We are not a marketing company. I have to make that clear to all the hundreds, or if not thousands of listeners who will see or hear this episode. So today is Friday and uh, we had some sunny weather in California. Now it's back to, to cold and it's actually snowed in Folsom, Folsom California, which is about 10 minutes for me. But today we have, we have, we have Jenny and Jessica and we will, we will start with uh, Jennifer and Jennifer lives in the Philadelphia metropolitan area. And I've known Jennifer for a couple of years. We met on a uh, old social media platform that we don't use anymore. Then I began to learn more about Jennifer and her corporate background and her many things that she has done in her, in her life. So at this time, I would like to welcome Jennifer DeCola from Metro Philadelphia, Good morning or good afternoon, Jennifer. How are you doing? I'm doing great, thank you. Um, hi, I'm Jennifer DeCola. I'm from the Philadelphia metro area. Currently, I run a nonprofit foundation in Chester County, PA. Um, my background is in tax, accounting, finance, payroll. I've worked with uh, the U.S. Treasury and Federal Reserve Banks, uh, pharmaceutical and tax software companies. So, uh, and currently, yeah. talk Rick, and uh, hopefully, you know, we can start uh, a few things going, and I can get involved. Uh, yeah, she gave us a pretty, pretty abbreviated background, so I will, I will complete it. Thank Jennifer. you. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty brief, Jennifer. As well as Vanguard. Vanguard as well. Yeah, I know, I know. Yeah, you worked at Vanguard, and what was the other one? Was it BlackRock? No, not BlackRock, no. Uh, I'm a tax software company um, on the main line in uh, Pennsylvania. I've also worked with uh, pretty big uh, pharmaceutical companies like Mercer's Bergen and Endo. So, and um, I also have a background in a little bit of law, you know, uh, business law, American studies law, and my father uh, practiced labor law. Yes, he did. And one of the things I like about Jennifer is that she's been all over the place. And uh, and I'll give you another minute. Just briefly tell our listeners and people who will listen to this episode, um, you know, thousands of times, name some of the places where you have been. Uh, I don't feel like it's that many. I Hopefully I can visit more. I really do like the islands. Turks and Caicos is probably my favorite. Uh, Aruba, um, Paris. Uh, mostly every state. I don't know. I don't know. A lot of places. Uh, I wasn't expecting well, that. I mean, the Turks and the Caicos is a night near the woods down in, uh, not too far from Florida. You know, I've been oh. there once and that was just amazing. Amazing. Yes. I love traveling. It's, it's great. You meet so many new people and, you know, experience different food, especially Paris. That was incredible. I was lucky to stay there for two weeks. And my son's also 
going with the exchange program uh, for two weeks in April to nice, France. Nice. Right? And your son will definitely enjoy, he will definitely enjoy, oh, look at that. Let me fix this. <laughs> no, both phones are ringing. <laughs> and, he, okay. and he will definitely enjoy the university down where, where he's going to start college in a couple of months. Yes, in Alabama. Yeah, from Philadelphia or Metro PA, Metro Philadelphia, down to the, the state of Alabama. And he will enjoy that big time. So anyway, I want you know thank you for doing the intro. And we will connect with a lot of uh, Metro Philadelphia uh, business owners. I spent some time in Philadelphia. I have some relatives that live on the west side and, and and philadelphia has always amazed me with the history that's there so thank you jennifer uh next next we're going to move to jessica macho she is the the owner and president of prestige legal nurse consulting based in western pennsylvania so we're fortunate to have two pennsylvania uh, business owners and entrepreneurs on the line today so good morning jessica how are you doing Good morning. I'm doing well. Excellent. Excellent. <laughs> now, today we want to we want to just briefly talk about your 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 practice, your your consulting firm and how you help attorneys. And we the last time we talked, we talked about I want to say not a not a conundrum or not like a like an impasse that you may have with with attorneys. We want to talk about how you can help uh, consumers who have been injured, who have suffered some type of injury or accident or some type of medical situation at the hands of another. And, and the consumers are not happy about the outcome. And they have like, again, they've been injured today. We want to talk about like I would say a strategy on how to connect with the consumers more and, and speaking with Nicole, Nicole, uh, Kuster, who's the PhD, who's the professional tutor to nursing students and graduated nursing students who want, who want to pass the NCLEX exam, which is the national uh, nursing exam. She said that nurses actually have a more advantageous relationship, she would think, in her opinion, with consumers who have been injured. And her back, and, and what basically how she supported that was saying that you know people who have been in the hospital who go see their doctors, uh, who may have been inpatients and have been uh, you know been cared for the nurse, they remember how well nurses have have helped them you know recover from their injuries. So Nicole said, and I said, and we and even and even you and I, Jessica said a couple of days ago that we believe that consumers may have a, a great experience by starting with prestige legal nurse consulting and then jessica you refer the the injured parties to attorneys of your choice what do you think about that i think it's a, a you know definitely a different way in looking at, you know, the the whole thought process behind, uh, you know, building our clientele and, and things like that. But there is a really strong um, connection there with a patient and healthcare staff that has taken care of them, specifically nurses. I mean, 
you know, I myself, we have most, in most cases, nurses become nurses because they truly like to take care of people and um, they just have that, you know, compassion for, for other, other people. Um, so through that process, um, you know, when you do think about it, they are, you know, sometimes the, the clients, you know, out there looking for an attorney, they, they really don't know where to even begin. They don't know what they should start telling them. They're not quite sure where to even go. Um, so it, it does make sense when you think about it because they're reaching out to somebody who knows the jargon, who knows the process of what they've gone through. So it's kind of that, you know, they're telling their story. They're almost in a sense venting their frustrations and wanting to get, um, you know, some sort of validation to those frustrations. So of course they, you know, are going to feel more comfortable talking with, with a nurse or, you know, somebody that has helped them through the journey in which they were faced to, um, you know, embark on not necessarily by their own choice. So I, I like the idea, to be honest, um, you know, and I have had many actually reach out to me first. So it's interesting. Yes. Yes. And, the in and again, the interesting thing about uh, what Nicole mentioned briefly, and you and I talked about at great length, is now that we understand the sort of like the, the timeline or the, the chronology of when someone is injured, it first starts like this. The person is injured by someone. So let's, let's look at the auto accident. And that's probably the one where uh, your services would be on par, in my opinion, with the attorneys. So if someone has an accident, we know already, and based on my research, I did a lot of research this week, that if someone is injured in an accident, the person or the defendant or the person that caused the accident has definitely some liability. But when they have that liability, they must, they must be able to pay or their insurance company may, must be able to pay. And so what we've learned and what I've seen and just from experiences of other people and I was speaking with uh, an attorney a um, couple of weeks ago about this. If the person has a low policy, in other words, their, their, their coverage limits are low. And let's say their, their coverage says, we will only pay $30,000 to an injured party if you, the driver, hurt someone else. Well, that means that insurance company is only going to pay $30,000 based on the insurance coverage that that person had that injured the other person. So the max, so the max the injured party could get, at least from the insurance company, is $30,000. So the next, the next part uh, that goes along with that, if the injured party is, is, is looking for something like a half a million dollars, and let's say the person that caused the injury does not have a half a million dollars in their policy, uh, the next stage is, well, let's go after their, their wages or let's go after their assets to see if we can cover that, you know, cover that $500,000 or whatever is available. And so now that we know the how, since so now that we understand the big picture of what's going on, it's not always that the attorney can uh, provide some legal remedy to the injured party. It has to be some type of insurance maybe. And then next, if the insurance coverage is not there, 
or if the insurance coverage is inadequate to meet the needs of the injured party, then we need to go after personal assets. When I say we, I'm talking like an attorney now. Um, the attorney needs to go after the personal assets or wages. And I've heard of attorneys uh, attaching someone's wages for years. And I think there's like a, a amount that the, the employee must be able to, to keep just to keep the household going. But that's a situation where even the attorney can't solve the problem. And if the attorney can't solve the problem, they may not need prestige legal nurse consulting because if there is no case to successfully win, there is no case to refer to Jessica. So with that in mind, that lets me know that Jessica and prestige legal nurse consulting may be on the same level. The attorney obviously has the, the skill and expertise and the, and the legal uh, uh, capacity to take the case to court and negotiate and and send you know send letters demand letters to people but but before that prestige legal nurse consulting may be just on par with the attorney to at least get the the injured party to talk about their their situation and 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 Jessica and prestige legal nurse consulting look looking at the medical file what do you think about that yeah um so it, it's really cool to think about that process, you know, to, to kind of step back and, and think about it as a big picture um, because it does work. It does fit. Um, you know, while as a legal nurse consultant, I don't get hired by the client. Um, I get hired by the attorney. But, um, you know, one thing that that has happened actually in, in a few cases now, um, you know, these people are reaching out to me. They're saying, oh, hey, you know, I got injured. I'm not sure what to do. Um, and, and the first thing I tell them is nothing that I say is in any way, shape or form uh, legal advice because I, I truly just can't do that. Um, I really don't even review medical records at all um, because, again, I need to get hired through that attorney and, you know, Ethically, that's that's not really appropriate and things like that either. But to really get um, a good idea and an understanding and just let them understand that I am here for them. I'm here to help them as best that I possibly can. And of course, I'm here to validate their um, concerns. So when they reach out to me, you know, I'm uh, looking and, and a lot of them all except one um have been from other states. So I research, you know, attorneys that are within their area or the area in which they were injured, things like that. And and I just get the background information. And, um, you know, we just kind of talk about what their what their goal is, you know, what what has changed in their quality of life since then. Um, and, you know, really understanding that aspect of it. What has mm -hmm. changed? So then when I you know, get to start discussing uh, this potential case with the attorney, I'm already able to provide them that information so that it's uh, more, it's less work on them, to be honest. Um, they're not having to go out and, you know, dig up this information themselves. I'm, I'm literally handing it to them. Um, and then, of course, you know, if it's something that was um, 
maybe a standard of care issue or, you know, maybe it was a, a, a back injury that, you know, someone's trying to say, well, that wasn't from the accident. That was a pre-existing issue. You know, really breaking it down and looking at those things, you know, helping the attorney decipher, you know, was it or wasn't it um, something that happened uh, as a result of that of that accident or, or that uh, mechanism of injury. Um, so I think it's a it's a good idea and um, one that, you know, I have been uh, utilizing a little bit more and more uh, in the past couple of weeks. Exactly. And I'm glad you mentioned the other types of, of injuries, accidents, standard of care. That's a big one where, where someone has been treated in, in some capacity in some type of facility and something has happened, they've gotten injured or maybe they got, uh, maybe they died or something. And, you know, we don't want to ever talk about that, but those kind of things happen. Uh, neglect, negligence. You know, I know of several uh, people that have experienced some type of uh, medical um, negligence in the hospital where the person had to be moved to another facility. And it was proven that it was it was uh, medical ne negligence. And and every now and then you, you run across the malpractice, the medical malpractice issues. So I am so glad you brought that up. The other thing, Jessica, is when I look at your business, your consulting firm, your consulting firm almost matches 321BizDev in, in some aspects because the white collar small business owners, surely they can do the same thing as, as I can, but a lot of times they don't want to. Sometimes they may not have the skill to do it, and then sometimes they may be just afraid to do it. So what I'm trying to say is you know, looking at some things I have read, a lot of attorneys, they may say, what is best? And we'll say, we'll take the high road. What is best for the injured party? And then secondly, what is best for the law firm? And I threw out this example. Let's say there's, you know, um, the attorney comes back and receives a settlement saying, hey, there's $125,000 that the, um, that the injured party could get and whatever the attorney's fees are sometimes either part of that 125 or maybe the attorney has has added has subtracted their fees from that that $125,000 settlement but what if the injured party goes to Jessica Prestige Legal Nurse Consulting and the attorney is now faced with here's some here's some extra information or information that the, the attorney may have not had access to or may not, to be honest, may not have wanted to wait you know, at that extra time to the case. So now that case could be higher than that $125,000 a settlement to the injured party. And I think that's a realistic way of looking at things because I know how things work. You know, I've been around for a long time and I do know that some money today is sometimes better than more money two months later, if you know what I'm saying. So what do you think about that, Jessica? Again, I think that's a, a great point as well. And, and I completely agree, you know, if the information is available, uh, you know, in a, in a different aspect, um, you know, the last thing, of course, that I wanna do is, is prolong situation by, you know, providing my expertise in, into the, you know, entering into the picture. Um, 
But, you know, you're right. If it is $125,000 settlement and, you know, that does seem like a large lump sum of money that, you know, someone is going to benefit from. And in most cases, it could be life changing. However, when you really think about all of the different, you know, medical treatments and the therapies and uh, things like that, that stuff all adds up. So, you know, uh, by maybe prolonging it a couple of extra days, you could maybe turn that $125,000 into, you know, $550,000, you know, and with that information that I'm able to decipher through, you know, I'm already providing that. So, um, you know, it's less work, more money, um, and more time that, that the attorneys have to, you know, focus on other aspects of the case or other clients, um, or, you know, friends and family. I love it. I love it. So Jessica, please close us out with uh, your contact information and then we will move forward with the executive sales topic for today. Sure. Uh, my, you can reach me at, uh, via phone at 814-330-3847, uh, email jessica.macho at prestigelegalnurseconsulting.com, or I actually am on all most forms of social media. I think the only thing I'm not on at this point, just because it really hasn't been an interest of mine, is Twitter. Um, But I'm on TikTok, I'm on Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook. Uh, My handle is all prestige legal nurse. Um, So reach out. I'd love to chat and uh, talk about some upcoming cases. Uh, If you're, you know, an injured party, reach out. I'd like to talk and see how I can help you, um, you know, find the right person for you to get the legal advice that you need. All righty. I love it. I love strategy and I love tactical. And I believe that uh, your uh, your plan as we move forward will include both strategy and and both tactical things that we can do. So now I want to move to our executive sales topic for today. And that topic is that topic is yay. It looks like, yes, it's working today. So today's topic is about uh, something called the law of large numbers. Now, I'm not sure if I've told this to people, but I used to be an engineering major at Cal Berkeley, and and I had a, a son in college, and I had to drop that major because the, the work was just too intense. So I started, I switched my major to economics, and and I've always had like a um, a strong interest in economics, and uh, I'm great with math, and so what you're seeing right now is a, a something from the, the the class called statistics, and statistics is about predicting things that happen over and over again or things that have happened in the past. And if you can identify a trend just looking at the data, sometimes you can come up with a conclusion, uh, an analysis of where to move forward. And the subject of forecasting is deep in statistics. So what you're looking at now is the classic example of of the coin flip. And coin flips have always been sort of like the the bedrock of statistics because it measures something that is that is done in some type of frequency so what you see in front of you if you look to the left you see a or the vertical the vertical axis you see 
the proportion of time times the coin lands on heads from 0% to up to 80%. And on the bottom, what you see is the number of flips. So looking at the graph, you see when the coin flips are at 10, 30% of the time, the coin lands on heads. And you can see at 30%, 30 flips, not, not, not percent, but 30 flips, the, the coin has about a 70% likelihood or, ha or it happened at 70%. So 30 flips returned 70% of the time that the coin landed on heads. But as you go to the right on the horizontal axis through the number 200 or 200 flips, you see that the average number of flips is 50% heads and 50% tails. And so this example that you're seeing is called the law of large numbers. Now it's not just in economics, it's also in science. You know, you can look at things like how many times do people recover from a certain illness using a, a certain remedy or prescription or some type of technique? You know, how well do people heal like in physical therapy if a certain manipulation is used to help them recover? So these, these types of uh, statistics exist in many applications in many applications, but how it relates to business and growing and growing your companies based on contacts, it also applies. So what it, so what we know at 321BizDev, we know that if you contact uh, a, a number of people, let's say a small number of people, you'll get the result that appears on the left. You'll get, if you contact 10 people, you might have 30% of the people that may warm up to what you're, you're, you want to you wanna talk to them about, about. And you may find out that when those 30% 30, uh, 30 of the people get to the end, they say, nah, I'm not interested. Um, and that's typically the case with small business owners that are working their businesses like we are. So I'm not talking about uh, a social media like. A social media like is not a contact unless you call that person and introduce yourself. That's my only thumbs down with social media is that you'll get likes, but a lot of times business owners won't pursue that like. And sometimes they will pursue that like, and you'll find out that person's a surfer in Hawaii and they don't need a you know, $30,000 tummy tuck. And so that's one of the, the pitfalls of social media. But if you do uh, spend time on social media and someone likes, your post and they are a qualified prospect and in Jessica's case they are an attorney or maybe they are a consumer you can tell and maybe they you know maybe they send you a direct message those are the people that you want to count as contacts so in this graph what we see is if you use a sales system and the sales system is selling without appearing to sell it's a 321 sales system that I wrote back in 2013, 2014, with inspiration from uh, Harley, not Harley Davidson, Harley, um, gosh, what's his last name? <laughs> I forgot his last name. Well, anyway, Harley, I'll put his, I'll put his information in there. Uh, Harley is a Boston area elder law attorney that came out to Berkeley, I want to say like 2010, 2011, and he gave this seminar on on selling long-term care. And what he said was that all you agents in this seminar 
you're selling long-term care wrong. In fact, you should never sell long-term care to people. And we were shocked because, oh, his name is Harley Gordon, not Harley Davidson. He said, you should never sell long-term care to people. And we were saying, why did we pay this $150 to hear this Boston guy to tell us that we should never sell long-term care to people? And he was explaining, and I'll keep the story short. He said, you can't sell someone, you can't sell something to someone when they, um, in their minds, they don't want it. So he said, don't, he said, people do not need long-term care. And he paused for a long 10 seconds. And all the agents, about probably 50 of us, 50 of us who paid $150 to hear him talk for two hours, we just sat there and our, our knuckles were turning red. Um, even mine were turning red. <laughs> and he said, after those 10 seconds, he said, people do not need long-term care 10 seconds until they do. And... I think I was the only person that caught on to what he was saying. What he was basically saying is that you can't sell it. People need to know what they are losing if they don't, do not have long-term care. And if they, when they don't have long-term care, what they lose is their income. They lose the pensions that they were saving for all these years. And all of a sudden, they got to pay $8,000 a month out of their own pocket because they didn't have long-term care. So how does this apply to this? This applies because you have to make contacts to people and some of the people may feel that they don't need your service, that's fine. But over time, especially when you use a sales system, like 321, selling without appearing to sell, your numbers, like the 10, where you only had a 30%, let's call these response rates instead of, uh, the coin landing on heads, and then at 30, you have a 70% response rate. And why would you have a 30 versus 70% response rate? Well, the reason why people have differing response rates is because they have a different way of doing business. And that's a, and that's a tragedy. See, when people are, have uh, small businesses and they don't have a sales system, their response rates go up and down, up and down. I had that, that happened to me when I was selling a long, uh, selling long-term care about, uh, about uh, 10 years ago. I met with a lady who had a definite need. She was a widow, a widow, yeah, a widow. And she had this nice house in a wine country, beautiful house, mahogany, everything. It looked like, a, like one of those um, sets on a soap opera. Everything was shiny and she could use it, but because I didn't have a sales system, she told me no, and I missed a sale for about $6,000. The, the next week, I met with a couple. The guy was a bank manager at a San Francisco bank. You know, I came in and talked with both the, the husband and wife, and I thought, I am not gonna get this sale because I used a different way of, of uh, approaching the situation than I did with the widow. And to my surprise, when I thought I, I was not gonna get the sale, said yes. And that was a big problem for me because to get a client to do contacting, you, you must have some predictability. And I obviously did not. So I, I lost more sales than I had back in 2010, 2011. But when people have a sales system, you treat every contact the same way. 
You treat every prospect the same way. You close the same way. And when you treat every contact the same way, you, you treat every prospect the same way, you set up your appointment the same way, you have a, a way that you meet during the appointment to close the same way, then what you, what you end up getting is this horizontal line like as you, as you see at 140. So think uh, when you think number of flips, look at this chart and think number of contacts using the same sales system, treating everyone the same, never changing your sales system. Because when you do, uh, there's another thing in, in statistics is called the factorial. And the factorial, if you see it in, in mathematical terms, it's a number with an ex, with an exclamation point. So, so let's say, for instance, you have three factorial. Three factorial means three times two times one, which equals six. So if you have um, three different ways of, of, of closing people and connecting with people, in a sense, you're doing your business six different ways. So the factorial of five, so five factorial is five times four, which is 20, times three, which is 60, times two, which is 120, times one, which is still 120. So if you have five different ways of working your business, five different ways of contacting, five different ways of prospecting, five different ways of, of uh, setting appointments, five different ways of closing, you have 120 different ways of working your business. And that's one of the primary reasons why people, people's businesses do not grow, especially when the ticket price is high, like $500, $1,000, $3,000 and up. And that's why a lot of attorneys, CPAs and dentists and plastic surgeons and insurance brokers and real estate brokers, have they struggle because sometimes they do the work, but they say, oh, this prospect is, is or this contact is different because he or she has a Mercedes Benz versus the, um, the other prospect or contact that had a Toyota Corolla. So I'm gonna treat this Mercedes Benz prospect way better than the person that drives the, the Toyota Corolla. And what happens, they lose consistency. And when you lose consistency, you lose the predictability factor that you're gonna have a successful business. So I just wanted to let people know about this, um, this context. And so just to close up this graph, what you see is when you have a consistent way of doing business, uh, using 321 selling without appearing to sell, you have like a 20 to almost 40% chance of closing all contacts. That means the yes, the no's, the maybes, but when the people who move forward, the contacts who say, yes, I wanna continue uh, talking to you about your business and you move forward and you get to the closing stage, then you have a 70 to 80% chance of closing people, which means when I say closing, I know it sounds like a cold word. Closing just means the people have been converted from prospects to clients. And that's just an industry word. And some people are offended by that word, but it is called closing. And I wish there was a better word for it. Maybe something a, a little, something short, but it means closing, but that's the word. So that's what this means is that when you use a sales system, you have predictability at the front end, which is the contacting and prospecting. And when those people move forward, you have high probability that the people you're meeting with are going to say yes. So 
with that said, I want to return to the, um, yes, stop the sharing. All right, so uh, any closing comments on what you just heard? We'll start with uh, Jessica. What do you think about uh, using a predictable way of working your business instead of having multiple ways that you work your business? What do you think, Jessica? I'm a big fan of consistency and a big fan of uh, clarity. So I think by following that method, it uh, you know kind of includes both of those aspects. So I definitely, uh, you know, in working with three, two, one biz dev, uh, have been learning more and more how to use that um, method. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because when you when you use the same method, you you gain some you gain what we call um, in business you you gain some uh, authentic authenticity. You also gain some familiar. Ah, gosh, my words are messed. I'm I'm in my cold garage today, so that's why my words are all jumbled. Um, you gain some you you gain some uh, you, people become familiar with your process, and so do you as a, as a business owner. You become familiar with your process. And I think, Jessica, we talked about, um, you know, writing down your mission statement over and over and over again, uh, writing down the bullet points of what your business does over and over and over again. And that's how you commit these things to memory and they become a part of your sales system. So you can have a sales system within a sales system where if anyone ever asks you, what do you do in your business? You always have this thing that you always tell them and people can sense when you've done things over and over again. When you've, done, when you've done things over and over again, they say, oh, this person must really love what they do and they must be good at it because when I asked them what they did for a living, I got the best 20 seconds, and we call that a, uh, a elevator speech. I got the best professional elevator speech that I've ever heard from someone. So um, I wanna thank you for that, Jessica. Jennifer, what do you think about the training that you just saw, that you just had? I think it's great. Um, one, I do want to address uh, Jessica. I really enjoyed listening to you. This is the second time I've heard you speak, and just the service that you provide is just amazing. I just feel like you bridge the gap and uh, make people feel comfortable. Uh, being around lawyers my entire life, uh, people are, I guess, hesitant and uh, intimidated. So you bringing that bedside manner I feel like you really bridge the gap and make them feel comfortable. And, uh, you know, you're able to discuss the information probably better with the lawyer. Um, I just really admire your work in the yeah. little talk to you. But as for the business model, amazing. Okay. Because uh, it's just consistent, like she said. And um, I just believe that it builds confidence. Uh, when you talk to your, you know, clients and stuff. And uh, okay, you know. Jennifer, can you tell that story?